listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Uh, we're continuing on in our series in Galatians that we started last week, and uh, I just want to say that uh, Professor Ricardo Cordero kicked it off with authority. He brought such a powerful word, and so if you get a chance, go back and listen to that word for sure. Um, it was so, so good, and, and um, we're in a series called Losing My Religion, um, and we're, going, we're taking the summer, and we're going through Galatians, and, uh, and it's going to be an incredible time. We're going to uh, dive deep into the book of Galatians and uh, really take some time to savor it. Um, and in his message last week, Ricardo talked about the power of, an, of introductions, you know, and uh, he mentioned some of my all-time favorite movies uh, like Gladiator and Princess Bride. And believe it or not, we just watched Princess Bride with my boys for the first time last week. And um, they said they didn't like it, but I know secretly they actually loved it. Um, they just like to be difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, he compared, uh, Ricardo compared uh, these movies, the, the introductions in these movies, like, hello, my name is Anigo Montoya, you kill my father prepare to die. Like that's an introduction. And he compared that famous introduction with Paul's introduction in the beginning of Galatians. Not that he's telling people he's going to die, but it's just epic. It's an epic introduction. And so Paul, uh, so in verse one of Galatians, just as a reminder, Paul says, uh, Ricardo already read this, but uh, as an apostle, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Ricardo and I both love movies. And in fact, uh, that's one of my favorite things to do with Ricardo is we lots of times we'll, uh, we'll go watch movies and uh, in, the, in like the middle of the day or something like that. And, and uh, we just we, we, we love to geek out together and watch movies. And, and I, was, I was preparing for this message. I couldn't help but notice that there was another movie-related theme in our passage in Galatians today. And uh, it's honestly the reason why most movies are so entertaining. Um, this moment I'm speaking of is when the problem presents itself when the problem presents itself, right? And uh, something has got to happen in a movie to make it worth watching, right? Something has got to happen in a, in a movie to, to, uh, to make it worth watching. The forbidden lovers have to unite at the end, but they have to face some adversity, right? The underdog needs to have a bully to stand up to, right? The hero has to be faced with a villain that exceeds his own capabilities, right? Um, Woody has to somehow convince Buzz that no, you are not a real spaceman, uh, and, 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 
and he has to keep him from running away to Star Command, right? Like Buzz is trying to run away in Toy Story. John McClane has to save his wife and her co-workers who are trapped in Nakatomi Plaza, which has been taken over by terrorists, um, uh, by a terrorist organization, and somehow he has to defeat all 50 of them without shoes, right? If there wasn't an empire trying to take over the galaxy far, far away, Star Wars would have been really boring, right? There has to be a conflict or there has to be a problem or the movie isn't worth watching. Now, confession, my wife already thinks Star Wars is boring. She doesn't care about the empire, but um, we'll forgive her for that and when the problem presents itself, it's usually when the movie starts to get really good, right? That's when it starts to get really good. And, and most of the time on the other side of the problem, our hero is a little bit smarter and a little bit wiser, right? And, and in today's passage, Paul presents the problem, he brings forth the problem, the reason why he's writing this letter to the church in Galatia. And, um, and just like in the movies, we can learn um, from the problem this church was facing and be a little bit wiser when we have to face it ourselves. And so the church in Galatia was a young church, much like the mission, and Paul had, had uh, come to stay with the, this community, taught them the gospel, and showed them the path to being an apprentice of Jesus. And Paul eventually goes on to another area to uh, hopefully start another church, right? And, and, but after he leaves, other teachers come in after him with the sole purpose of confusing these new Christ followers and discrediting the apostle Paul. And so Paul writes this to them and uh, writes this letter and after his grand introduction, the one that Ricardo so graciously pointed out, he presents the problem. He brings forth the problem. And, and his words may sound a little harsh to us, but it's because there was nothing more important to Paul than the true gospel of Jesus. There was nothing more important. The fact that these people would fully grasp their freedom in Christ and that somebody was infringing upon that is vital to Paul, and it's crucial that he addresses it. And so let's pick up this account in Galatians 1.6. So if you turn there, uh, I think we're going to have it on the screen, but... um, so Galatians 1.6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. We're going to come back to that different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we meaning him and his, his people, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. 
For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you may notice um, Paul is kind of an intense dude. Like, he's, he's definitely an Enneagram 8 for sure, if you know Enneagram at all. He's a passionate dude, and he's all in. Um, and so he's, he's, he's an intense guy, and he's so passionate that he throws himself headlong into whatever he's doing. And in verse 6, Paul accuses the Galatians of turning to a different gospel, but very quickly reminds them that there is only one true gospel, and so, so what does this different gospel mean? What does that look like? What does a different gospel look like? Right? The different gospel Paul is speaking of was presented by false teachers that were trying to convince the Christians in Galatia to take on the practices of Judaism. Now, these Christians... Most of them had never been Jews, and they were never Jews. And so now that they're Christians, these other teachers are saying they have to backtrack and take on some of the practices of Judaism. And, and, uh, and, and they went as far to say that they would not be right with God if they didn't follow certain practices and bear certain outward symbols, which we'll get more into later on in Galatia. Um, these teachers were basically saying that it's great that you know about Jesus and are following him, but you need to follow these additional rules as well to be really, to truly be saved. You need to add these rules. And, and there's a problem with that. Uh, you, can, you can't add anything to the gospel of Jesus. It is a thousand percent complete. It is infinitely complete. That you can't add anything to the gospel of Jesus. If you do, it's no longer the true gospel. That's what Paul's point is. And like Ricardo's a math professor, and so he really loves to dive into math theory. So I have I have a, a, an equation for you, and it goes like this: um, Jesus plus anything else equals not the gospel. Jesus plus anything else equals not the gospel, right? You can't add anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith in Jesus and by faith alone. And so if I said to someone and they wanted to accept Christ and I said, hey, that's great, you know, let's pray through the sinner's prayer. But from now on, because you're a Jesus follower, you have to wear suits every day, everywhere you go, because that is an outward sign that you are a Jesus follower. And, that, and you will not be in right relationship with God if you don't do that. That 
is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is that we are saved by faith and faith alone. Nothing we can do in our outside um, self pushes that any further. We're saved by Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus plus anything equals not the gospel. All right. So um, Paul goes on to share his credentials, which he's already shared a little bit of um, his credentials as a teacher uh, in the Jesus movement. And uh, back in Let's see, verse 12, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ, a revelation. Now, I think that this has an application for us today as well. Um, if you know the, the account of Paul and his uh, story leading up to his conversion, Paul was a person that was so deeply ingrained in Judaism. He was just off the charts. Um, he was persecuting the church. He was present when they stoned Stephen. You know, um, Paul was going after the church of Jesus with murderous rage and he was on a road to Damascus, and Jesus came and encountered him. And he became blind, but he knew that it was Jesus. And from that moment, Jesus told him what to do, and he knew he was wrong. And just like Paul, you know, that passionate eight, throwing himself fully into whatever he does, he turned his life completely around. And the one that was murderously going after the church began to preach the gospel and wrote most of the New Testament. And uh, so uh, Paul goes on to say that he um, received this gospel directly from Jesus by revelation. And I think sometimes we can go for a long time on someone else's truth. I think we can go a long time by what we've heard and what others believe and just go along with it. I think we can um, ride when we're young, we could potentially ride our parents' coattail into our faith. And it doesn't matter what head knowledge you have if you don't have a personal revelation of Jesus in your life. If you do not have a personal revelation of Jesus in your life, that is all it will be head knowledge. It will not transform you. It will not change your life. Right? And so Paul is going on to say that you know, um, he received the gospel directly from Jesus. And so in verses 13 through 24, he's basically giving us his credentials about how he went on after he received and he didn't go directly to the pillar apostles. He didn't go seek out Peter and, and John um, right away, um, but that 
he felt like he had it from the Lord. And so later on, he went and received a, a blessing from, from the apostles, and they sent him to teach specifically to the Gentiles, um, people who were not Jewish. So there's, there's Jewish people, and Gentiles are anyone who's not Jewish. Like, I'm a Gentile. And actually, I'm a Christian, but you know what I mean. You you get it. Um, and and so uh, Paul was sent to speak directly to the Gentiles. And so I just want to read verses 13 through 17, just to give you some frame of reference. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Let's keep reading. Uh, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, who is Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cecilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formally persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. Now, I don't know if you can relate to Paul when he's talking about this, about his past life of persecuting the church, his past life of Judaism, but I remember uh, when I worked in a nonprofit right out of high school and uh, I was not saved, even though I had been brought up in church my whole life, um, you know, I felt like um, God either was kind of a jerk or like he didn't exist. And I was office mates at this nonprofit with a Christian girl and she would always get there before me at the office and she would always turn on Christian music and I would be so annoyed. I mean, it was my own fault cause I was always coming in late, but, um, but like I was so annoyed at this person who kept playing Christian music in, in the office that we shared. And if you know me, music is really important to me. And so one day I just like shut it off and was like, I don't want to hear this or something like that. And later on, I found out that she went and cried in a closet because of that, because she felt persecuted for her faith. And years and years and years later, I became a pastor, and I had been a pastor for a while, and my wife and I went back to um, Ohio, where the nonprofit was, to 
for a reunion and I got to hug her and say, I am so sorry I did that to you. And I'm now a pastor. And she started to cry again. And it was just like such a moving moment for both of us. And so I don't know about you, but I can really relate to Paul when he says, you know, um, I, I saw none of the other apostles, only James. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Um, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith. He once tried to destroy and they praised God because of me. I, I'm telling you guys, I can so relate to that. And I don't know if you can at all. But here's the thing I want to say is that God has a habit of using the most unlikely people we can think of to do powerful things for the kingdom. Here Paul is breathing down the neck of the church of Jesus Christ with murderous rage. And all of a sudden he encounters Jesus and turns his life full circle and begins to preach Jesus in Jesus alone. God can use anybody. And so that's one thing I want to share with you is if you haven't personally encountered Jesus, if Jesus is just head knowledge to you, then I want to pray for you that you would encounter Jesus today, like right now. So let's just stop and take a moment and pray for those people, and then we'll come back to this passage. God, I just sense your presence in this moment. I didn't plan on doing this. This isn't in my notes or anything, Lord, but I just sense that there is somebody who, who is watching right now that knows you in their head but hasn't encountered you in, rev in a revelation. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would come to that person. Lord, I pray that they would feel your presence and your peace and your favor over them. Lord, I pray that they would have a personal encounter with you, Lord. And, and even if it's not right in this moment, I pray that they would be on the watch for it this week. Lord, that they would have a personal revelation of you in their life so that this gospel would go beyond head knowledge, Lord, and into the heart and into the life and in, into the actions of, of, of us, Lord. Father, we love you, and I'm giving thanks now in expectation that I will hear stories of people who have encountered you this week, Lord. We're expectant, Father, because we know that you're good. In Jesus' name, amen. So my last point is that these young Christians in the Galatian church, these teachers came in after Paul and they confused them and they, um, they put these rules on them that weren't 
theirs to put that that it weren't for these Christians anymore. And I think that is why it's so important that if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are an apprentice of Jesus, if you are under the blood of Jesus, you have to know what Jesus said and what Jesus did and what breaks Jesus's heart and how he interacted with people. You have to know Jesus because snakes are everywhere that are out to just make you veer off a quarter of a tr- uh, of a turn into a different path onto a different gospel people some unintentionally some intentionally want to confuse christians about the truth of Jesus and about the truth of his gospel. And so for that to not happen in your own life, you have to know the gospel. You have to know Jesus. And and I just I wanted to share with you this this story really briefly. We my family and I um we've been super antsy and we haven't um had we haven't gone out much together or whatever but we uh decided to meet my wife's parents up in Crestline to walk a trail because the the virus is a lot less contagious outside and we hadn't seen them in months and it had been just a long time and so we wanted to go spend some time with them and they wanted to see the boys and stuff and so we met them up in Crestline at this trail and uh, we're walking, you know, and talking and just kind of catching up and stuff. And and it, the trail was leading to this waterfall, and it was pretty cool. And so we're walking, and, and eventually we get a little lost. Um, we, we took the wrong part of the trail or something like that. And so we're kind of away from a lot of people, but we're still on a really clear, wide trail. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I look down. Everybody's in front of me. I'm in the back. Dylan is the closest to me. Dylan's my 13-year-old son. And I look down and Dylan's ankle just brushes up against a young uh, diamondback rattlesnake. And I'm like, uh, what just happened? Like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I, I don't know if somebody else had like bumped him or stepped on him or or what. But all I saw was Dylan's ankle just like brush alongside the side of this snake and I was just like I just stopped in my tracks and was like guys and I like pointed down and they all were like oh my gosh we didn't even see that that's crazy like oh my gosh you know and I was like yeah literally Dylan bumped the thing like we we have got to pay more attention right and so like Okay, so we're on our guard. So we're still trucking down the path, right? We're going down for a while. And all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, we see this really little baby diamondback rattler in the path. And we're all like, oh my gosh, we almost stepped on that one too. Like, and so it was, it was just like these, these little snakes were everywhere, right? And I guess baby rat- rattlers are super, um, poisonous, like more so than, than others. I'm sure somebody on Facebook will correct me on that if I'm wrong, but, um, but so like, we're like, okay, 
because somebody had actually either stepped on the baby or bumped into it. I can't remember exactly, but but we had another encounter with a baby diamondback rattle, rattlesnake. And, and so we get to the end of this path. We had gone the wrong way. We have to turn around and go back. Well, okay, so we're like, okay, we learned our lesson here. We are not going to step on any snakes on the way back. So we start heading back, right? And we're all just like eyes on the road, just like scanning back and forth, looking, 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 looking. And sure enough, not not too long, my father-in-law steps on the baby rattlesnake. Steps on it. And we and like one of us sees it and points it out and we're all just like ah oh, we just like jump out of our skin and like kind of run a few steps away or whatever and it was the craziest thing we were scanning the road looking for rattlesnakes and we still didn't see it my father-in-law still stepped on it and he's been out in the wilderness forever it's not like he's some chump that just came in from the city like he lived in Crestline for years and years and years, and he didn't see it. None of us saw it until he stepped on it. And my point in telling you that story is that it's the same way with the gospel. It's the same way with the gospel, which is why it's so important uh, for us to know exactly what Jesus said and what Jesus did and to not just rely on head knowledge that we've got from somebody else, but to have a personal encounter with Jesus. We can't just listen to what people say and go along with it. We have to know that we know that we know because there are snakes everywhere Amen. trying to catch you not paying attention. And that's when they strike. And if you don't know better, if you just go along with whatever gospel or whatever simple, well-meaning thing that they add to Jesus, if you don't know the gospel, you're going to get bit. You're going to follow a false gospel. And so we have to be aware. We have to know we have to encounter Jesus. And so I don't know how that leaves you today, but I would love to hear just a brief one or two sentence synopsis on our Facebook feed or social media feed, whatever, about how you have encountered Jesus. It doesn't have to be your conversion story. It could just be a sentence or two like, I encountered Jesus on the beach in Oceanside. And that's true for me. That's my sentence. I encountered Jesus on the beach in Oceanside. And I turned my life around from there. That's my sentence. And I want to encourage you to write your sentence or two sentences. And if you haven't encountered Jesus, I'm praying for you. I'm going to be praying so hard this week that you encounter Jesus. And when you do, I want you to write that sentence. I want you to send it to me. 
or I want you to post it on our social media feed or email it to our office at office at the missionredlands.com. I want you to share your encounter with Jesus. I can't wait to read these later, these sentences. And um, so I just want to invite the worship team back now, and I want to pray for our, our time together as we conclude in, in, uh, in worship. Father, I pray, Lord, that there would be an abundance of encounters with you this week. I pray that people who have only known you in their head would experience you in their heart right now. Father, I pray that mm, that your truth, that your knowledge, that your gospel would shine through any fog that false teachers or well-meaning people have, have, have put on it in anyone's mind. Lord, I pray that there would be freedom Lord, and I just think about how you used Paul, how you encountered Paul and he turned his life around, how you encountered me and I turned my life around, Lord. I pray the same transformation for those who haven't encountered you yet. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there would be an encounter that takes place that would make them never want to be the same. Lord, I pray that you give us a hunger to know you, Jesus, to know what you did, to know what you say, and so that we can say what you say, love who you loved, and how you loved and give grace how you gave grace, and teach how you taught. Thank you for the gift that is, that was your life on this earth. And thank you for the gift that is eternity with you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And so right now I want to invite um, everyone to, uh, this is the time where we normally take our tithes and offering. And so I want to invite you, if you have the app or, or the online giving website available to you, I, sometime today I would invite you to uh, just take that out. And um, we believe that the Lord is still moving. The church is alive and well. The church is alive and well. Um, because God's church is not a building. It's a people. And so, Father, I pray over this offering. I pray that we would, uh, that we would listen to you according to our giving, that we would um, listen for your direction, for your inspiration, Lord. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.